You may be seated. This morning's passage of scripture is from a letter from the Apostle Paul to the Christians gathered in the city of Philippi. Now, for several weeks, we've been exploring the themes of this letter. Joy, gratitude, humble love, righteousness. And this morning is part two of the scripture that we looked at together last week. If you missed it, that's okay. We're going to read the whole passage with last week's verses so that we can hear the progression of Paul's thoughts. And as this letter builds in logic and intensity, these scriptures are the high point of the letter. Paul's urging towards joy, gratitude, humility, and righteousness have been leading to this point right here. It's like climbing a mountain. From the height of these verses, we can see the lay of the land of the whole letter. We can look back and see all the work that we did to get to this point, and we can look forward to see where the letter's heading next. Now, we have said in the past that the Apostle Paul was a pretty intense guy, and these verses have a lot of emotion in them. And some of us are a little bit leery of emotion in the Bible. Because of our past experiences, we might hear it as accusatory or angry. But as you listen to these verses this morning, I invite you to hear really good emotions here. Excitement, passion, and hope. Be of the same mind, and if you think differently about anything. 
God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. This is the word of God for all people. Thanks be to God. So, uh, this was so funny. My, I'm, so the way I was going to start this morning is by asking you to think for a moment about a time when you felt awesome. <laughs> so, uh, may, maybe it wasn't something that happened to you. Maybe it was something you got to participate in that felt awesome. Or maybe it was a time when you kicked a really good goal or stuck a landing. Or maybe you sang some gorgeous music or played some gorgeous music. Maybe it was an excellent golf swing or a really productive day at work. Or maybe it was just waking up next to the person that you love. Or maybe it was a moment when you parented exactly the way you wanted to. A moment. Maybe it was a revelation that you had as you read the Bible, or a time when you felt God, God's presence really strongly during prayer. Maybe it's the last time you laughed really hard. Whatever it was, you felt awesome. You knew in that moment that you are fine and that the world has beauty in it. Everybody got a moment? You got that feeling? Okay, that's the feeling I want you to hold on to as we talk through this scripture this morning. Because the question for us this morning is what kind of people are we going to be? And how are we going to get there? What kind of Christians are we going to be and what is going to motivate us? And in these verses this morning, Paul gives us two different options for answering this question. First off, Paul assumes that righteousness is a good thing, that we all want to be righteous. Now the choice is whether we want to be self-righteous or we want to be God-righteous. Now, it's a safe bet that when I give you those two choices, none of us are going to say out loud that we want to be self-righteous. Because we all know what self-righteousness looks like, and it's not pretty. However, in these verses today, Paul reminds us that even though we might say we don't want to be self-righteous, it's actually a tempting option. Because when we are self-righteous, we are the ones in control. We get to decide what we think the rules are, and then we follow those rules, and then we declare ourselves to be good. That's what Paul's talking about at the beginning of the passage when he's talking about circumcision and confidence in the flesh and righteousness that comes from the law. The temptation of self-righteousness is that it's safe. It's secure. We know we have it because we earn it. If we want to be good, we get out the rule book, we follow all the rules, and we're good. So if we suspect that there might be something that's unacceptable about us, if we suspect that at our core we might not be good enough, really, then self-righteousness is very tempting because it lets us prove our worth. Insecurity? Follow the rules. Problem solved. However, there are two huge drawbacks to self-righteousness. 
The first one is that in order to prove that your rules are the right ones, you have to convince other people to follow them. Because every time someone else follows the rules that you follow, you feel validated. Their conformity proves your rightness. This is what's happening at the beginning of this passage. Some people are trying to insist that Gentile, that non-Jewish Christians have to follow Jewish laws. Because if you're trying to prove your own rightness, you want as many people as possible to follow the same rules that you're following. The second huge drawback to self-righteousness is that you are being motivated by fear. You are pushing the heavy rock of your own self-righteousness up a hill, and if you stop for a second, your own insecurity is going to roll backwards and crush you. Now this works because fear is a really powerful motivator. Evolutionary biology proves this to us. We run away from tigers, right? We learn very quickly what things are dangerous and we stay away from those things. Verse 9. In verse 9, Paul says that self-righteousness comes from the law. And by definition, a law is enforced by a threat of punishment. So motivation by fear of punishment is highly effective. The problem is that it is also exhausting. So thank God there's an alternative. The other option that Paul presents to us this morning in these verses is something that he calls God-righteousness. Now the righteousness of God throughout the Old Testament refers to God's character and God's will for justice for the whole earth. And also, the actions that God takes to enact that justice on behalf of the most vulnerable. That is God-righteousness, and that is good stuff. We want to be that kind of righteous, don't we? That is the kind of people we want to be. We want to be, with, we want to be the people who live with Jesus as our Lord. We want to be the people who make no compromise with oppression in this world, who don't judge other people and who don't judge ourselves by what we look like or how much money we make. We want to be the people who are good stewards of this incredible creation. We want to be a force for justice and love and peace in this world. We want to stand against evil. That's the people we want to be. And the good news is that this God-righteousness is not about following the rules. God's own righteousness is this union of God's character and God's actions, and it's the same for us. When we experience this God-righteousness, our actions are in line with our character. And that will never happen with self-righteousness. Because motivation by fear only ever results in like temporary behavior adjustment. Right? Like making you stand up a little bit straighter. 
That's all that motivation by fear will do. So the motivation to be the people that we really want to be has to come from something stronger than fear. And the one force stronger than fear is love. God-righteousness is motivated by love. Listen to these verses from 1 John chapter 4. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. There is no fear in love, but perfect or complete love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And whoever is still afraid has not yet been made complete in love. We love because God first loved us. That's 1 John chapter 4. God righteousness is motivated by love. Love will lead us to be the people that we want to be in this world. And Paul says the way that we switch from self-righteousness that's motivated by fear to God-righteousness that's motivated by love is by simply trusting that Jesus showed us the way. Jesus showed us exactly what this God-righteousness looks like in human form. And so we follow his example. God-righteousness is not earned. We experience it the same way we experience a gift. That's what the word grace means. It means gift. Now, we fall into self-righteousness. The reason that we do that is because we struggle to trust that that kind of love is possible. That God loves us that simply and that completely. We think we have to earn it. But it's true, God does. We experience that grace, we experience that gift by faith, which just means trust. We experience God-righteousness by placing our trust in love instead of in fear. That's how we do it. And then, Paul says, everything falls into place once you do that. This is where his passion really lights up. Paul wants to experience Christ and the power of Christ's resurrected life to join with those in the world who are suffering and be conformed to a life of self-sacrificial love. Is Paul there yet? Is he perfect? Nope. And this side of the New Jerusalem, he's never going to be. But what keeps him moving forward is love. Paul's metaphor is a race. Where are my runners? I know I got runners in here. There's like a whole pack of them right here. I know. Right? The whole white family did a half marathon a few weeks ago, right? Yeah. Now, you cannot run that far unless you want to. (laughs) At some level, you have to love it. Now, there's going to be moments when you don't want to run, or you may be running because you're afraid of what you're going to feel like when you get older if you don't run. But that fear is not going to carry you that far. What carries you forward is how good you feel when you do it. 
And as the kids and the, what does Mary call them, older young people? Yeah. As y'all demonstrated so lovely this morning, you can't, you can't run while you're looking backwards. You can scoot, right? But you're not going to get anywhere very fast. But you can't run looking backwards. And so what Paul is trying to tell us this morning is that when we don't live up to our values, which is going to happen, we let it go. And we keep moving. And we can do this because we're not afraid of being punished for our failures. Because we're not motivated by fear, we are motivated by love. And that keeps us looking forward. Love's not keeping score. Love doesn't care what happened back here. Love cares what's happening up here. So can we agree together this morning that we are done with religion that is motivated by fear? Can we be done with that today? Can we be done with lives that are motivated by fear? Because God's breathtakingly good news is that we are perfectly loved with a love we do not have to earn. We will not be ashamed of who we are. We will not judge other people or ourselves by the worst thing that's ever happened. We will follow Jesus' way of sacrificial love, and when we do, we will know that we are not alone. Listen to these verses from Hebrews. It's the same race metaphor. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race set out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We are motivated by love. We are motivated by love for our family. We are motivated by love for our friends. Through the power of the resurrection, we are motivated by love for our enemies. And we are motivated by love for the God who invites us into a life that is so much more beautiful than we dared to believe was possible. Because only love will lead us where we need to go. Amen. As Brian comes back to the piano, I invite you to spend a few minutes in reflection this morning. This is how we always close our time. We're going to listen for God's spirit together. So you might want to put your feet flat on the floor to help you feel grounded if your feet reach the floor. See you guys. You might want to close your eyes to help you focus. Can we turn that down just a little bit? Thank you. And I invite everyone here to take a deep breath. In the biblical languages, the same word for breath is the word for wind and the word for spirit. So let's breathe in God's spirit of love and breathe out our fear. Breathe in God's love and breathe out the idea that you aren't good enough. Breathe in God's love and breathe out any need that you have to prove yourself. 
Breathe in God's love and breathe out your fear of judgment. Breathe in God's love and fix your eyes on what is ahead of you. Breathe in God's love and remember that time that you felt awesome because God wants to lift us up this morning. Breathe in God's love and let it fill you with hope and power because the world needs us, friends, to face injustice and suffering head on, just like Jesus did. Breathe in God's love because when we are motivated by that, we can give of ourselves and give and give and give to make this world better. Now I'll say a closing prayer. Source of all, fill us with your righteous love. Christ Jesus, help us follow your example. Spirit, give us courage and peace. Amen.